Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today with me I'm back with my co-host, Jack Vandemotter. Howdy. Today for you guys, we have an episode that we're actually super excited for, our 2021 NFL Draft Preview. So we have a lot in store today on both just the whole NFL and the Browns in general. So let's hop into this, Jack. Yeah, I think we can start calling this our annual draft preview since this is our second one. So I think the other one was episode 14 if you guys want to go check that one out just for comparison. But anyway, let's hop right into this. It's going to be a bit of a longer episode. we got a lot to talk about. I think it's going to be a very action-packed. we got a lot of good stats for you fine folks out there. So starting off, rumors and headlines, just some, some stuff around, going around the AFC North and some stuff with some quarterbacks. Kicking it off, do you believe the hype of Mac Jones to the 49ers? Uh, there have been a lot of rumors that Kyle Shanahan really likes him. Um, do you think that's just talk, media talk, or do you think that's something that's actually going to happen? I think the reason I bring this up, too, is because Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, might drop if he doesn't get drafted by the 49ers. I'm going to call hype on this one, Jack. I know... Shanahan went to Mac Jones Pro Day instead of Justin Fields and that there's all the hype surrounding it. I think Shanahan's a pretty smart guy, though. I think it would be pretty stupid, to be honest with you, if you took Mac Jones over someone like Justin Fields. He went to Justin Fields' second Pro Day, enjoyed it, looked like he liked it. So I'm not believing the hype. I'm buying Fields to San Francisco at three. I'm agreeing with you. I don't believe that Mac Jones is going to be three, but i got to admit, I think it's, if it's not Jones, I think it's going to be Trey Lance. I don't know if I see the Niners going the fields unless it's just uh, unless they've, they've really tricked the entire league but moving on Steelers our ASC rival they're apparently they're targeting running back uh, with their first round pick or maybe or just in general but it's not the, the deepest running back class but you got some high end talent with guys like Najee Harris and Travis Etienne do you think the, the Steelers would be smart to target a running back even with their offensive line being kind of mediocre. I bet. So I, I don't think that they're going to go with a running back in the first round. Obviously, it's a huge need for them. James Conner left, but their offensive line at the moment is horrendous. Like They don't have a good starter on their offensive line. I think they will really try to build it up this year through the draft. Even 24 is not like a great pick, especially with this lineman class, but I still think they might build from there. We've seen the trend of going away from running backs in the first round, Jack. And this class has some good guys, especially that duo from North Carolina. So I don't think that they'll go with a running back. It's definitely an option. Najee Harris wouldn't be a bad idea. But Pittsburgh, although we hate them, they do have a good front office. So I think they'll go with their biggest need here. Yeah, I agree. I think if it is a running back, it would be Najee Harris. But I agree. I think they might they might swing somewhere else. But we will see. We, we have a mock draft coming up at the end of the episode. So, no, I do think it would be Najee Harris if they took a running back. But, again, like you said, running the, the trend of running back in the first round has kind of been fading recently. Um, and I don't know if any of these running backs are really, like, worth first-round draft capital. Najee is my, is my top running back, but he is 23, so he's on that older side. So next on our big rumor headlines 
is what the Bengals will do. Again, AFC North, will they go with an offensive lineman like Penny Sewell, or will they try to boost their offensive passing game and go with someone like Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, Jack? So we, we've talked about this a little bit. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but I, I think their best move would be to go offensive lineman and draft Penny Sewell. He's the best offensive lineman in this class, in my opinion. And I just feel like Chase and Pitts, while those, especially Chase, like, that would be such a luxury. And, like, you love the connection of Burrow and Chase coming from LSU and the things they did in college, but it's such a luxury when, when you seriously, desperately need offensive line help to protect Joe Burrow. Um, and then it just, at least we're talking about Kyle Pitts, like, it just makes more sense from a need perspective because the Bengals already have two solid wide receivers in T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I agree. I think their best bet here is to go with Sewell if he's available. If not, maybe trade down and try to go get someone like Slater. But the thing with Chase and Pitts is they are generational talents, Jack. Both of those guys, they will be great in the NFL. But how would you throw to them if Joe Burrow, one, isn't healthy, or two, doesn't have time to throw? I think your best bet here is getting a lineman. We saw the wonders with what happened with Baker Mayfield this past year with the Browns going and getting him some protection, not scrambling, not worrying for his life. So I definitely think it's good for them to go with Sewell. Last headline we're going to talk about here, this will just be a quick question. Over under four and a half quarterbacks in the top ten. I am going to go with the over. I think there's going to be a QB race here. I think you'll see Wilson, Lawrence, Fields, Jones, and Lance all go off the board. I agree. I think if one of them falls out, it would probably be Mac Jones, but it's hard to say. Mac Jones or Trey Lance. All right, so now moving on to a little bit more Browns-focused. We're going to kind of break down some prospects that the Browns could target, a potential Browns draft plan, and then some of the Browns' positions of need. Kicking it off, I had their biggest position of need being linebacker. You varied a little bit. What would you have? Yeah, so I put cornerback. The Browns have had a lot of durability issues with their corners and Greedy and Denzel. I think still you can never have enough corners, so I'm going with corners, my biggest position in need. Yeah, I want linebacker because, and, and here's the thing, I don't necessarily know if the Browns are going to take linebacker, but I, I want linebacker because I just think our linebacking, linebacker room is so depleted and just inexperienced. And you got guys like Taki Taki, and you got, you got some... some you know, prospects, but, like, I don't know if I, I feel comfortable with any of those guys being number one. Um, and when, then with the additions of Troy Hill and John Johnson, I think I like our secondary more than I did going into the offseason. For sure. They definitely build up the secondary. The thing with the linebackers is, like you said, they're just from a pure, like, talent standpoint, they're definitely the lowest on the defense, probably the lowest on the team. They probably have the least experience, too. The thing is, the Browns and Joe Woods scheme won't be using a lot of linebackers. Uh, Andrew Barry traditionally doesn't like to draft linebackers, too, especially in the first round. So that's why I have him here as my second biggest position in need, because it is a position in need. They are the least talented position group on the roster. But when you're only using two linebackers for most series, I don't see it as a big as a need as somewhere like corner, where you can always use an extra help. Yeah, I had cornerback as my second biggest position. We're not. I don't need to talk about that because we just covered that. But like with linebacker, you brought up some good points. Like, I don't know if linebacker is going to be where the Browns go with number twenty-six because of Andrew Berry's. You know, he doesn't traditionally like to draft linebackers that high. But at the same time, like 
I worry a little bit because, like, what if Joe Woods is not good, right? And they, he gets fired, and then we move to a scheme that does use linebacker, and all of a sudden we have nobody to play that position. That worries me a little bit. Also, linebacker, I feel like it's a very big position when it comes to stopping the run. So that's I feel like do I think the Browns are going to go linebacker in the first? No, but I still think that's the biggest position. Moving on, my third one was safety. I think we did add some really good guys with John Johnson, and you got Grant Delpit coming back from injury now, and you got Ronnie Harrison. So you got some guys, like, and I feel good about that, but, like, one injury, and all of a sudden you're down to, like, you know, two or three guys that you feel comfortable with, and then also Grant Delpit is completely unproven. Is he even good? So I, that's why safety was my third biggest position, even despite the moves that we've made this offseason. Yeah, I left safety out of mine. It's definitely a big position of need, I do think. But I just wanted to kind of switch it up. For my third, I went with defensive end, which is your fourth. I think the Browns need to go draft a young defensive end that could possibly be Miles Garrett's running mate for the future. We did sign Clowney, but only on a one-year deal. So you're going to have to replace him this year if you don't want to bring him back on a big deal. And we probably won't bring him back on a big deal because technically he should flourish next to Miles Garrett, landing him a big contract, and the Browns aren't going to want to do that next offseason because they'll be giving extensions to people like Nick Chubb or Baker Mayfield or Denzel Ward. So I, I put... Defensive end, I do get what you say with safety, though, because, like you said, Grant Delpitz hasn't played in the NFL yet. Ronnie Harrison will be a free agent. And John Johnson, you can't leave him back there alone. So they'll definitely have to address it, bring in some young players. But I definitely thought that defensive end was a little more important for the future. Yeah, and that was my last one was defensive end. And, like, brought up some good points. And then Clowney's only on that one-year deal. So he, you know... Obviously, I hope he pans out, but if he doesn't, you're going to need defensive end pretty badly. So I think drafting a defensive end for the future and just for depth in general couldn't hurt. Right. And then my last one real quick was wide receiver. I think it would be good for the Browns to just go get a good slot guy, add some depth to that receiver room. I know Odell has had his injury issues. We expect for him to come back fully healthy. But with football, there's always a lot of injuries you got to expect for guys not to play the whole season. So I don't think it would hurt to go get someone that could, you know, a young guy that could go play in the slot for you. Moving on to our next segment, we've got the Browns draft plan and some targets. And this is going to be that time where we really kind of break down a lot of these players that are, you know, could potentially be in the Browns uniform next season. We're going to give you some stats and some names that you should be familiar with as any of these guys could really be the Browns pick at 26. So starting it off, we've got, we're going to start with the linebackers, and Micah Parsons out of Penn State being kind of the cream of the crop of this class. Could, and the real question, though, is, is could he drop? Could, is it even remotely possible that he's there at 26 for the Browns? No, he's not going to be there at 26. I know he's had some character issues, but that's not going to drop him all the way down to 26. He is an athletic freak running a 4-4-1 at his pro day. He did sit out last year, too. I, I just don't think it's possible for the Browns to draft him at 26. He, he's so good in both coverage and versus the run. I, I just think the, the only way the Browns would get him is if they did trade up. Yeah, I agree. But with that said, I mean, that would be very uncharacteristic of Andrew Barry to do that, to A, trade up, and then B, trade up for a linebacker. But you're, you're exactly right. I mean, this season, an athletic freak. He ran a 4-4-1, which from, for, for a linebacker perspective is ridiculous. Um, and then he's super disruptive, 
plays with like an edge rusher, edge rusher mindset, really gets to the quarterback and gets into the backfield to cause some problems. So definitely the ideal linebacker prospect for the Browns, but unlikely that we'll grab him. Next up is Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa out of Notre Dame. John, you want to give a couple little stats about him? Yeah, so JOK, we'll, we'll call him that from Notre Dame, is a linebacker that fits pretty well for the Browns. The thing is he's undersized at 6'1", 221, so he's kind of built like a safety jack. But the thing is, he would be perfect for what Joe Woods or what Andrew Barry are looking for. He's a linebacker that's really good in coverage. He's elite in coverage and even solid versus the run. He allowed a completion percentage of 61.8%, which is really good for a linebacker who tends to be in the 70 or 80% range for a completion percentage. The knock on Cormoa, though, Jack, is his missed tackle percentage at 15%. He had 10 missed tackles in each of the last two seasons. So you need a linebacker that can wrap up and tackle, especially when you're facing someone like Lamar Jackson twice a year. And the Browns have had problems with tackling over the past few years. So this is, while, while JOK is one of my, you know, I, I really like him as a prospect, that definitely is very concerning as a Browns fan because missed tackle is the one thing that I cannot stand. That's just, it's easy play, yardage in place. It just does not be happening. So the next guy that we're going to talk about is kind of almost the opposite to JOK because he's like oversized. It's Zayvon it's Collins out of Tulsa. Too big for the Brown scheme, really, is what, like, at least Joe Wood's scheme, who likes to deploy linebackers as kind of quicker coverage guys that can, or at least versatile, I'll say that. But Zayden Collins is 6'4", 260 pounds, that, that's almost like an edge rusher profile, but he was he was really solid. He was the second graded line, second highest graded linebacker out of 517 in 2020. He had a pass rush grade of 90.6 and a coverage grade of 93, which both are elite. And, and allowed only one touchdown and had four interceptions. As a linebacker, that's really solid production in my opinion. Yeah, Jack, the thing that's kind of mind-blowing about him is that he's 6'4 and had a coverage grade of 93 flat. It's kind of, a, it's kind of unheard of. The thing is, the knock on Collins, I guess you would say, is that he played at Tulsa. You're not playing the greatest competition. The thing is, though, like he is bigger than some of these defensive ends that we're going to cover soon. So would he be able to kind of translate that athletic ability to the NFL level? And he definitely has the potential to do it. It's just the size concerns there. Will he end up as more of a rush end, or will he be able to flourish in coverage like he did in college? Yeah, that's, that's the last thing I'll say. Is like, I feel like Zayvon Collins is a really big boomer bust guy. Like he's either going to be like really good, and we're going to be like, how do we miss this guy? Or he's going to completely bust and we're going to look very dumb. So Zayvon Collins, one of the most has one of the most wide range of outcomes out of any of these guys, but very intriguing as a prospect. So moving on, Jack, to our top cornerbacks in this draft. The first one that we have here is Patrick Sertain Jr., if you wanted to talk about him. So Patrick Sertain Jr. out of Alabama is really right there in that conversation for being the top cornerback in this class. Right there was J.C. Horn, who we're going to talk about next. He'll probably be gone by 26, him and J.C. both. But Patrick Sertain was the second highest graded cornerback in the country out of 533 players last year. And it's just, he's just really sound. He goes to Alabama, which continuously produces NFL products. And he just really is a guy that you can rely on. I think one of the safer prospects in this draft, in my opinion, personally. Yeah, we won't talk about him much more just because he'll probably be gone. He's a potential top 10 pick. I don't really see the Browns 
getting him unless they really traded up. But he he should be solid. They've produced guys like Minka, Marlon Humphrey, so I, I think I think it's pretty safe to say that he'll be a solid NFL player. Next guy we're going to talk about, J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. I'll let you kind of break him down, but he is one of my favorite players, being that I go to South Carolina, so I got to watch him all of last year, and he was an absolute animal. But I got another guy that we're not going to talk too long about because the Browns would try, probably have to trade up to get him, but obviously I'd be ecstatic to see him in a Browns uniform next year. Yeah, Horn is definitely a fan favorite pick for the Browns. The thing is, again, the Browns would probably have to trade up. His draft stock has only been trending up. He had a great pro day. He allowed a completion percentage of 33.3%, which is insane, and a pass rating of 54.9%. When facing notable players like Jalen Waddell, he let up 12 yards. Jerry Judy, he let up 7 yards. Kyle Pitts, he let up 20 yards. Elijah Moore, he let up 47 yards over two games. So even facing top-notch talent in the SEC, he still did well. He held his own. And he's a bigger corner, too, which the Browns could use. They have smaller guys like Denzel Ward. Nothing against Ward. He's great. But you could always use a bigger corner who's athletically gifted, too. So Horn would be a great fit for the Browns. Yeah, I love the stats you brought up. He really locked down some of the best uh, offensive talents in the country. And that's, that's, I think, why he's been continuously rising up draft boards is people just, I mean, there's not a ton of question marks with J.C. I guess the only thing is really the sample size. But, you know, he was only targeted, what, like 18 times or something? Something ridiculous. So um, J.C. really sound, but probably won't be there for the Browns. Next guy, and these, now we're getting to guys that are, that are probably going to be going around 26, might be available for the Browns. Starting it off, Greg Newsom out of Northwestern who is a little bit on the smaller side. I think he's standing stands around six feet tall with like 190. Which is not small, but it's not big. But he was had almost better stats than J.C. Horn, at, at least looking at it, with a completion percentage of only 35%, zero touchdowns allowed, a passer rating of 31.7 when targeted. He was completely locked down for Northwestern last year, really rose up draft boards, you know, made himself a lot of money probably making going to the first round now. So a guy that I would love to see the Browns come away with in this draft. Yeah, I, I really like Newsom. I definitely think it's more realistic option at 26 for the Browns. I definitely think it's a popular pick for them too. It may not be popular with the fans and the media at the moment, but just saying it's realistic, Jack. And this guy's good. The Big Ten has some good wide receivers. He had one of his best graded games against Ohio State, who has Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who are great wide receivers. They'll go... Probably in the first round, both of them in the NFL draft. But the Big Ten's hard. It's physical. He, and he only allowed a pass rating of 35%. He had an even bigger... It wasn't a huge sample size, but a bigger one than Horn. So I really wouldn't mind getting Greg Newsom at 26. Next guy, Caleb Farley, excuse me, out of Virginia Tech. Sat out all of 2020. But he was a guy who... Had a really solid season in 2019, if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so like you said, he sat out 2020, so obviously he didn't play. But he ranked 13th out of 618 corners in 2019 with a grade of 86.9. And he allowed a passer rating of only 26.8. These passer ratings would be actually unheard of in the NFL, but obviously they drop with the disparity of talent in college football. He's a guy that probably would have gone top 15 in last year's draft. But he decided to stay another year, which ultimately backfired due to the coronavirus. But I, I think 
Farley would be a steal at 26. He has great potential. He did have like foot injury with surgery, but I think he would be a great pickup for the Browns. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he would be really solid for the Browns. I, I do worry a little bit that he set out 2020. You know, he had a really good production in 2019, but kind of a small, smaller sample size. But I guess when we're talking about these cornerbacks, a lot of these guys have smaller sample sizes. So, again, really, really good value there at 26 if we ended up getting Farley. The last cornerback we're going to talk about is Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State. And he had a really solid season this past year, grading 81.8, ranked 18th out of 533 cornerbacks, had a 46.2 passer rating allowed, one touchdown, but also grabbed three interceptions. Asante Samuel is someone who, like, the, the, the guys that are, like, popping out of Florida State are really intriguing to me because that program has been kind of up and down over the last couple seasons. So to really produce and, and come out of that program and really shine uh, shows me that you're, you're really, you got your stuff together. But he's a little bit on the smaller side at 5'10", 180, which is a little bit concerning. Like you said, we've got some smaller corners already. It would be nice to have a guy who can go up against the like Mike Evans type players. But ultimately would be a very good guy for the Browns to grab at 26 if, some, for example, like if Fairley or Newsom were gone, but he would probably be my third third favorite out of those three. Yeah, Asante Samuel is a guy that may honestly go lower than 26, Jack. He's a guy that I wouldn't mind grabbing, but probably not at 26. I'd, I'd be a lot happier with someone like Newsom or Farley. But he's someone who, who just knows how to get it done. His dad played in the NFL, and like you said, he's kind of small, but he's still graded out against graded well against the run, which Browns corners have not done. So he's someone that's going to bring physicality to your team and it, just the toughness, you know. So I wouldn't mind grabbing him. I just don't think that the Browns will grab him at 26. Yeah, that's a good point. I think he's kind of a more of a early second round type player, but wouldn't be surprised to see him sneak into that late first. Next, we are going to move it over to edge rushers, which is a position that the Browns currently are looking pretty sound at with Judeon Clowney and Miles Garrett. However, you you never really know with Clowney. He's had injury issues and he's only on a one year contract. So, looking at an edge rusher might be really interesting for the Browns as there are some really good values that we're going to talk about here. So kicking it off, I'll let you introduce Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Yeah, so Quiddy Pay is the top pass rusher, top consistent pass rusher coming out of the draft this year. And like we have done for each position, he's a guy that the, the Browns probably won't get. He'll probably be gone. He graded 20th out of 511 edge rushers, and he had a pass rush win rate of 25.8%, which is actually crazy. But he only had two sacks, so the production wasn't quite there, but he's an athletic specimen. And the thing with the Browns, Jack, is if you can go and get an edge rusher and kind of grow him for a year, Clowney leaves, Takaris McKinley probably leaves too. You still get Miles Garrett, his rushing mate for the future. But this year, you have four defensive ends and a first-rounder, Clowney, Tack, and Miles. So that just can't hurt. Right. Moving on to Jalen Phillips. Uh, like, okay, real quick, before, before I talk about Jalen Phillips, I think all these guys have like are kind of guys that have like a lot of upside. But at the same time, like it's a weird class in that there's no 
Chase Young or Joey Bosa. There's no guy that's going to like really stand out among the rest of them. All of these guys are kind of high upside value picks, but maybe are projects in a way. And that really is a guy like Jalen Phillips, who's had a very up-and-down career. He's had some injury concerns, actually medically retired due to concussions when he played at UCLA. He was in an accident, and that kind of messed with his head. But he came back, ended up playing for Miami, and really produced last year. Had eight sacks, um, ranked 18th out of 511 edge rushers in 2020, and had 42 pressures with a pass rush win rate of 20.4, which is incredible. So Jalen Phillips is a guy who I've heard as described as you know maybe the best uh, edge rusher in this class, but definitely some concerns with that concussion with those concussion injuries. Yeah, like you said, I think the concussion injuries in the past are a big concern because concussions are something you can't get back or really heal from. Obviously, you can heal from a single concussion, but they build up. He did have eight sacks last year. He totally produced when called on, ranked 18th. He's a really high upside guy and someone that the Browns could definitely snag. I think I told you earlier in the year, too, that he's a guy that I could see sneaking into the first round, and now he may even sneak past 26. But I wouldn't mind grabbing someone like Phillips and possibly pairing him with Miles Garrett for the future. Yep, totally agree there. Next, we're going to talk about his, well, his teammate, but they never actually played together. Greg Rousseau, also out of Miami. Yeah, so Rousseau is someone that I honestly love here, Jack. He would be a huge steal for me. He sat out 2020, but I think he would have gone in the top 10 of the draft if he entered last year because he had 16 sacks as a redshirt freshman, which is absolutely crazy. The kid can actually absolutely rush the quarterback, and he's someone that I would love to see the Browns take. Yeah, I totally agree. I didn't. His name has been cycling around draft circles for a long time. Like you said, would have been a top ten pick last year. I, I, I'm not really sure why his draft stock has fallen as much as it has. But ultimately, I think he has the chance to be an immense value at 26. Um, could be the best player, and I've said this for every player, but could be the best edge rusher in this class. Really high upside at 26, and I mean, there's really not much to dislike about him other than the fact that he's only really produced that one season. Yeah, so moving on to our next prospect is Jason Owa from Penn State, and this isn't a prospect that I'm really high on, Jack. He had zero sacks in 2020. I kind of compared him to Rashawn Gary, you know, athletic specimen freak, but doesn't really produce like at all, zero sacks at all. He is an elite run defender graded out at 89.7, but a lot of scouts have said that he's passive in his game, he gives up contact, and he doesn't fight through his hands, which is super important for edge defenders. It's just someone that I really want to want to see. Obviously, the Browns would be a good place for a defensive end who's a project, but there's guys on this list who have produced, and I'd rather take one of those. I completely agree. I, I love the Rashawn Gary comp, really an athletic freak. That's why he's even supposed to go this high. It's his, he's just an incredible athlete, but the production just worries me, man. And then, like you said, the things that you've heard from the scouts saying that he just kind of gives up on first contact is really concerning. That's not a guy that I really want. And that's not a guy, like, you see these edge rushers and the guys that are violent and just like have to get to the quarterback at all costs. Those are the guys that really produce and really shine in the NFL. So unless a way really changes up his mentality, 
or, or really lands in a great spot that they can develop him, I'm not a big fan. And I, I don't like the Browns are a decent spot because he can sit behind Clowney, but at the same time, like with this new culture and everything, like I, I don't know if I want more projects. So ultimately, not super high in a way, but has a lot of upside. So our last defensive end prospect is Aziz Ojulari from the University of Georgia. Jack, this is personally one of my favorite prospects if you want to read his stuff. Yeah, so Aziz Ojulari out of Georgia is a really interesting prospect. He's right up there with Phillips in terms of production. Eight eight and a half sacks, four forced fumbles. Um, And that that forced fumbles number is really what you look at because a guy that can A, get to the quarterback, but then B, turn it into a strip sack, that's what you love to see, um, especially in the NFL. Wouldn't be a great, great scheme fit with uh, Joe Woods. He, Joe Woods likes to utilize a 4-3. He wouldn't be able to play as much outside linebacker or, or just it, it wouldn't be ideal. But at the same time, like with a guy like Aziz, you'd make it work. Uh, but And then finally, he ranks sixth out of 511 edge defenders with a grade of 90.0. Dude was an absolute beast last year. Uh, and I'll let you talk about him too because he's one of your top guys. But you had... You had comp for him that was really interesting in my opinion. Yeah, so my comp for him was Von Miller. He is, Aziz is 6'3", 240. Von Miller is 6'3", 250. And Aziz would only add weight when he gets the apple. Obviously, 6'3", is on the smaller side for a defensive end. Someone like Zavin Collins, who's 6'4", is literally bigger than him, and he plays linebacker. But I just love his production at Georgia. You know, you're facing top-end talent there in the SEC. You're facing really good left and right tackles. And forced fumbles are something that Miles Garrett always talks about. You know, not only getting that sack, but getting the turnover. It's so big in football. And that's something that you saw Chase Young do all the time. And that's why NFL draft scouts just absolutely loved him. So I think Ojolari would be a great pickup for the Browns. He's someone that I could definitely see being a long-term running mate of Miles Garrett and someone that I would be really happy with the Browns picking up here. Yeah, it's really interesting because, like, all these guys are right there in terms of, like, I don't know if I have any of these guys really ranked significantly higher above anyone else, but tons of options for the Browns at defensive end. It would be really interesting if they decided to stray away from secondary. It'd be a great spot for them to address because there's plenty of talent that'll likely be there around their pick. So next, we're going to move over to interior defensive line. Super weak defensive line, or interior defensive line class, defensive tackle to be specific. Christian Barmore is the only guy that we're really going to talk about here comes out of Alabama, and he is actually, I'm really, I'm pretty high on Christian Barmore, and the reason we mentioned this is because of the, of, of the Browns' decision to cut Sheldon Richardson, so Christian Barmore had eight sacks last year, great production, and super consistent game-to-game, which you love to see, just to, I mean, and like, eight sacks is pretty insane, too, for an interior lineman, that, that was one of the biggest reasons that teams just love this guy, is that he really is able to bend around these guys and get to the quarterback despite playing in one of the hardest positions to really put up numbers. So Christian Barmore graded 10th out of 446 interior linemen last year, playing against Bama, SEC, top competition, super consistent game-to-game, like you said, and really showed out in the college football playoffs. Ultimately, he's a guy that I would not be mad if the Browns took. I think the Browns are going to rely on the guys that have Jordan Elliott, I, w- I, w- I would be a little surprised to see the Browns go Christian Barmore, but at the same time, I would not at all be disappointed. 
like you said, something that really sticks out about him is eight sacks coming from the interior, and that's crazy. The thing is, though, the Browns, there's kind of rumors swirling around that we could bring back Richardson, you know, on a cheaper, more team-friendly deal. So if you bring back someone like Richardson, I feel like someone like Barrymore is kind of out of the picture. But you don't have Richardson on your roster right now, so Barrymore has to be on your roster. He's definitely a great prospect. His sort of knock is that he only started for one full season, but even when he didn't start in 2019, he still registered three sacks. And you could throw out sort of like a Quinn and Williams cop for him, but he's definitely had a lot more production and definitely someone the Browns should and could take a hard look at at 26 if he's there, especially if they don't re-sign Richardson. So it's not something that I would be opposed to, and it's something that I honestly kind of like. Yeah, I agree. Moving on, similar situation here. We're going to... Real quick, just talk about one safety. I'm not a super strong safety class, not a super strong defensive class at all in general, but safety and defensive tackle especially. But the guy we're going to talk about is Trayvon Morig out of TCU, was the third highest graded safety in 2019, but then kind of fell off a little bit and graded 80th out of 510 in 2020 with an overall grade of 74.6. His biggest kind of strong suit is that he's a playmaker. He has a forcing completion rate of 19.5% and really excels in pass coverage with a 48.7 completion percentage allowed and a 51.7 passer rating allowed. Really a guy that is probably going to go in that late first, early second area. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he falls out of the first round, but in a, in a class of safeties that's really weak, you could see a stock rise for a team, for a needy team. Additionally, the one thing I do worry a little bit about with Mo Rigg to the Browns is his run defense grade of 62.6, which is not great. Additionally, he had a missed tackle rate of 12%, also not good. And, and those are two things that the Browns just do not need any more of. We don't need more players who can't defend against the run, and we don't need more players who can't tackle. So that worries me a little bit for, for Mo Rigg. But it's a guy that the Browns should be looking at just because of their need at safety. Yeah, so you said everything really well. Morig reminds me of Grant Delpit. I think he's like an exact clone of him. But with that being said, though, I still wouldn't mind bringing in someone like Morig, someone who's really good against the pass. The NFL is obviously trending towards this air raid system, so you really can't like have enough guys that can cover the pass for you. The thing, though, that's obviously offsetting is his run defense grade which was the thing, and a big knock that was on Delpit. So do you want another clone of Delpit, or do you go with another position that you can like really nail down, like corner or linebacker? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think, we, you know, until you really see what Delpit can do, maybe you stay away from drafting a safety in the first round. So real quick, we're going to talk about the Browns' best-case scenario. This will be a super quick segment, and then we're going to get into our mock draft to finish it off. And that's I'm looking forward to that. So... Best case scenario, in my opinion, and you you kind of agreed with me here, was J.C. Horn falling to the Browns at 26. Yeah. I think that would be an absolute steal. That goes without saying. I mean, real the thing is with Horn that kind of is disappointing is that, like, early on in this draft process, like, J.C. Horn at 26 was, like, very realistic. Like, that's around where he was going. And then he continued to rise and rise and rise. And now he's looking like he might go top 15. But I'm still holding on to that sliver of hope that he falls to us. I think if, if that were to happen, you're, you're getting an absolute steal here. Yeah, it would be great to get someone like Horn at 26, even though it sounds unrealistic. I, honestly, I think another best-case scenario is that we trade up a couple spots after he drops a bit, and we still draft him. Like, he would yep. be a great fit. He would be a great pick. So 
I definitely think that's the best. And then regarding our second round pick, number 59, the best case is Trayvon Mowry kind of drops, you know, and the Browns can go snag him at 59. And that would be great value in the second round. Obviously, we said he's yeah. a potential first rounder. So, you know, if someone like that kind of drops, then the Browns have to hop on that. Yeah, agreed. There's always people that end up dropping out of the first round and falling a little bit and become values. Um, and that's, the Browns have been able to capitalize that on, on that in the last couple of years with guys like Grant Delpit and Grady Williams. So Trayvon Morig fits that bill, a guy that could drop. But ultimately, I'd just say best available in 59 because the Browns, they're really solid this year. We really don't have a screaming need. So we can really kind of just pick up anyone that drops. So moving on to the last segment, I know this is a bit of a longer episode, but thank you for staying with us if you've made it this far. We're going to do a mock draft. We I have a different one than John. We each have our own, and we're going to kind of go pick by pick. So we have, it's, it's, all, it's only the top 10, and then we do the AFC North. So the top 10, and then the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns at 24, 26, and 27. So kicking it off, I'll let you start with maybe the least shocking pick of all. Who do you have at number one? Well, real quick, I just want to say last year in our draft special, we did uh, what do we think will actually happen in the draft versus what we think will happen. My mock draft this year is what I think should happen. So just starting it off. At one, Trevor Lawrence is obviously a lock to the Jags. At two, I think Zach Wilson's pretty much a lock to the Jets. At three, I have the 49ers taking Justin Fields. I think this is the smartest thing to do with him and their offense that's dangerous in the run game. You could run options with him even though he has an amazing arm. And with some really speedy wide receivers, I think it would be a great fit. At four, I have a trade with this quarterback frenzy kind of going off. I have the Panthers trading up from eight with the Falcons, and they're going to snag Mac Jones. At five, I have the Bengals doing the right thing, grabbing Penny Sewell. At six, I have the Dolphins grabbing Jamar Chase, someone to pair with Tua. Now you've got Devontae Parker and Jamar Chase tearing it down, down there in Miami. The Lions going and grabbing Devontae Smith at 7. They lost Kenny Galladay, but Devontae Smith is a huge upgrade over Galladay, in my opinion. At 8, you have the trade from the Panthers with Trey Lance going to, at 8. I think it would be good with Matt Ryan kind of out on the out. Trey Lance has a pretty high ceiling, in my opinion. At 9, I have the Broncos grabbing Kyle Pitts. Obviously, this is kind of just the best player falling here. I don't know how you would pass up on him at 9 with his value. At 10, I have the Cowboys taking Sertain. They obviously have a high-powered offense, but their defense could not stop a running nose with a cold, so they really need to go grab some defense there. At 24, I have the Steelers grabbing Tevin Jenkins, a tackle from Oklahoma State University. This is not super popular, and he kind of rose up late, but they need an offense tackle, and this guy's a mauler in the run game. He's good in pass protection, and you need that in the AFC North. At 26, I have the Browns taking Greg Newsom, the corner from Northwestern that we talked about. I think it's real realistic, and I think it would be a good pick for the Browns, to be honest. And then at 27, I have the Ravens taking Jalen Phillips, and I know they're getting a lot of hype with taking a wide receiver, but especially in the AFC North, you can never have enough pass rushers, and I think Phillips is someone that could really fit their scheme well, you know, pair him up with someone like Calais Campbell and, you know, just really wreak havoc on these offensive lines. Yeah, I like your mock draft a lot. I think just some, some picks that stand out to me would be the Panthers trading up to grab Mac Jones over a guy like Trey Lance or Kyle Pitts. Another one that stood out to me was the Falcons landing Trey Lance, which I think would be a fantastic fit. Trey Lance is one of my favorite quarterbacks in this draft. 
And then talking about the Browns pick real quick, I, I totally agree. I think Greg Newsom is a great pick for the Browns. I am going somewhere else in my mock draft, but we'll talk about that later. Let's hear so, it. So, yeah, let's get right into it. So at, at number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Trevor Lawrence, no surprise there. Number two, I have the Jets selecting Zach Wilson. Again, no surprise there. Number three, here is where I vary from you, and I have the 49ers selecting Trey Lance. Like I just said, Trey Lance is one of my favorite draft prospects in this draft. I think he has the upside of a guy like Mahomes or Josh Allen. Like His arm strength is ridiculous, and he can tuck it and run it for 50 yards. I mean, the dude's an absolute athlete, absolute playmaker. At four, I have the Falcons going Kyle Pitts. I think that would be a classic Falcons pick going offense and getting another receiver even when they have a million holes. At five, I have the Bengals doing the right thing in drafting Penny Sewell, like you said. They really need to protect Joe Burrow. Six, I have Jamar Chase to the Dolphins. That's a dream scenario for the Dolphins. That, again, just perfect fit there. Uh, Devonta Smith to the Lions. I think Jamar Chase is gone by seven, so I don't. I think the idea of the Lions getting Chase is a dream. However, you never know. But the, the, with the departure of Galladay, you really need a, a wide receiver for Jared Goff to throw to, especially if, like they said, they believe that Jared Goff is the, a franchise quarterback. So he can't be a franchise quarterback if you don't have a receiver. So I got the Heisman winner going to the Lions. At eight, I have Justin Fields, which is a little bit lower than some people. But I, I just everything I've been hearing is that he's a little that he's going to fall. Like he's a little bit lower in NFL circles than he is in public circles. Uh, with that said, I, st- I think that'd be an absolute steal at eight to get Justin Fields. Absolute playmaker can run with the ball and really is a perfect quarterback in today's game. At nine, I have Patrick Sertain to the Broncos sniping the Cowboys. You probably wanted him, but I think Sertain's a really good fit for the Broncos. I think if, if the Broncos were to go f- for another position, it'd be quarterback, but cornerback is where I have them going. So. At number 10, I have my first trade. I have the Patriots trading up to get Mac Jones. Mac Jones to the Patriots is one of those picks where I just feel like it makes too much sense. Like, it's like Tom Brady to, like, just like a kind of an unathletic white guy, three-letter first name, five-letter last. It's just it's too perfect. So, Mac Jones to the Patriots. At 24, I have the Steelers drafting Najee Harris. This is a pick that I kind of, I, I don't know. It's It would be kind of worrisome to me as a Browns fan because you don't need another playmaker in the AFC North, but I think for the Steelers' perspective, this makes sense. They had zero run game last year, and that was one of the biggest reasons that they were not great. And, and really, Big Ben, who, who can't force the ball down the field, really needs a running back to help him that he can lean back on. So, Najee Harris at 24. At 26, I have the Browns taking JOK, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker out of Notre Dame. This is a pick that, I mean, I really don't, like, out of all the picks I've made, like, this is the one I probably feel the least comfortable with. I don't know where the Browns are going to go. They have not leaked anything. But I think from a, a need perspective, I think linebacker makes sense. So I have them going JOK. And then another pick that I just think makes too much sense is Rashad Bateman to the Ravens. Like you said, Ravens have been connected to a lot of wide receivers in this draft class. And I just feel like Bateman is a perfect guy for their scheme. Kind of on the bigger size, or on the bigger and but also actually no he he's not that big he he weighed in at his pro day a little bit smaller than people expected but really a, a good guy that could kind of complement Hollywood Brown less of just a speed guy and more of a possession guy that you can really rely on so Sean Bateman to the Ravens and that rounds out my mock draft. 
It's long. <laughs> yep. Well, that is all that we have for you guys today. Thank you guys if you made it this far. This has definitely been one of our longer episodes, but we're really excited for this draft. It's finally here in Cleveland, and we'll probably make an episode, you know, rounding up and overviewing what the Browns actually did. So, yeah, thank you guys. Exactly. Yeah, this is, a, like you said, a longer episode, but really wanted to cover everything that the Browns might do. So, Hopefully you learned something, and we will be back with another episode when we finally figure out what the Browns have done. So, with that said, we're signing off. Stay hot, our friends. Peace. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Black Lions Beats on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all go give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pod. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.